Hey guys, this is your host Scooby, and welcome to the Toon Balloon Podcast, our outlet to discuss, theorize, and enjoy our favorite webtoons with the occasional anime and manga sprinkled in between. So, Attack on Titan Final Season Part 1 has officially ended, and as well as the Attack on Titan manga has ended. Now, I'm not going to discuss that final chapter because what I want to do is wait until the series, you know, ends. <laughs> uh, I have not really read the manga. I have seen leaks, or I, I have tried to avoid the leaks, but it is very difficult when you're on Twitter and everything. So I just really, really do my best to avoid it. <laughs> but it's it's difficult, guys. And I don't know if you're me and when you go online and you, you don't mute certain words and then it just shows up and I'm like, oh, I didn't want to see that yet. <laughs> but I plan on reading the manga like completely from where we left off for this season, probably even sooner than that because I kind of want to get my whole fill to understand everything and get, um, get acquainted with it. I really want to know what this masterpiece is. <laughs> At least, I don't know, a lot of the fandom seems divided and honestly, I don't think you can make a perfect ending. No one is going to be satisfied and I think it's just best to form your own opinion. You can see what other people think but I, I don't think everyone is going to be satisfied with the ending. Now for this episode though we are going to be talking about um, a couple episodes from this season of Attack on Titan because I have not been able to keep up with everything since I have been jumpy with my podcast episodes. So we will be discussing episode 13, Children of the Forest, episode 14, Savagery, episode 15, Soul Salvation, and episode 16, Above and Below. I plan to discuss highlights, what was crazy about the episodes, some of the plot and storyline and everything, and, and just overall discussion of all these episodes together, and maybe even separately, uh, just depending on what I am going nuts about and my opinions on certain scenes and things like that. So I hope you guys enjoy the ride. So I am just going to put this out there. There will be spoilers in this podcast episode. So if you have not seen any of the episodes that I have listed, I strongly recommend that either you avoid my podcast <laughs> or you go and check out the material and then hop back over and then you can hear my opinions if you want to, if you're willing. <laughs> and and if you do, then just, I mean, go for it. I would love for you to hear my thoughts because honestly, I don't know who else is listening. <laughs> So we are just going to jump into it. I, I'm not really going to have much of an arrangement. I'm going to mention some highlights first, just to get us warmed up for this podcast episode. So to start off, I am going to point out some major highlights, right? And in these episodes that really, really stuck out to me. And to start, we are going to talk about episode 13, Children of the Forest. So the very first highlight I would like to mention is Zeke's spinal fluid in the wine. <laughs> now, when I saw this scene for the first time, uh, I, I had a moment of panic <laughs> because when I connected the dots and when the, the characters started connecting the dots, my, my frame of thinking was, why is there spinal fluid in the wine? 
Why is there spinal fluid in the wine? Why is there spinal fluid in the wine? It was so freaky, kind of nasty. <laughs> uh, I, I can't even point out all the questions that went in my head. What, what was the measures to get all this spinal fluid in all of these containers of wine? Because when they showed the, the clips of all of these crates full of wine, I kept thinking, how many bottles of wine are there? And how much spinal fluid did they have to get out of Zeke? That sounds so painful and just so morbid. My gosh. I imagine it hurt, but I had this question for years. After seeing this huge surplus of spinal fluid being used to turn other people into titans, it has always been a big question of mine. Anyways, it has been pointed out in later episodes that even Eden he has probably no idea or even a clue of how Zeke knows how to control and turn people into Titans. Does this have something to do with him being royal blood? Um, because I noticed a lot of other people can't turn people into Titans. Is this exclusive to the Beast Titan? Uh, or is it like heightened up as a royal blood Titan? I don't know. Uh, maybe we'll get some explanation. Maybe we'll get some clarification in the later part of the series. Uh, I'm not too sure. That is something I'm really, really curious about because if a lot of characters don't know why he does it, uh, does Zeke even know why he does it? Or is he just notice, hey, I just turned a person into a titan. Uh, I just gave them some spinal fluid in their wine. Like, no big deal. <laughs> um, the other example of his bodily fluids being used to shift people was in that segment with the Rakugo district and the intruders kind of just gassing up the place and Zeke is the cause for many of the infestations of titans within the walls so I hate you Zeke <laughs> now I know there are a lot of Zeke stands and I could kind of understand Zeke's character a lot more thanks to this season because we do get a lot of backstory about him and we will discuss this in later parts of this episode but I I don't know I, I still I'm kind of impartial to Zeke I don't know if it's just because you know we get to know him and the most of I know of him is that he is a good villain. He is a very good villain, but I don't really like the guy. <laughs> I don't I don't know what to say about him other than the fact that he he kind of infuriates me sometimes because his methods of trying to eliminate people and solve problems feels like it, it's it's just not right. And I don't know. I don't know what another way is to solve these issues. But personally, uh, Zeke's viewpoints and everything kind of don't correlate with what I would think if I was in this situation, honestly. <laughs> uh, Zeke's been through a lot for sure. He, ha he has had a taste of pain for sure, but I don't know, man. He, he, he definitely isn't one of my favorite characters for sure. I, I have a lot of favorite characters in the show, but Zeke definitely isn't in that lineup. And as much as I get to know him, he still doesn't line up with like my, my faves. <laughs> but anyways, it is mortifying to see all of these soldiers and all of these people, especially in episode 14, Savagery. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. When all of Levi's men ended up just shifting into Titans. They all 
I don't know, they just floated off of their trees because of the spinal fluid and because Zeke triggered them with his yelling and they all just exploded into Titans and with that haunting scream, that scream that just changed it all. And gosh, I don't know what it is, but seeing regular people in this show just turn into mindless Titans, it it feels so much more morbid than seeing actual Titan shifters change. Like, I'm so used to seeing Eden changing on a whim. I have seen Annie just change on a whim. We have seen Armin change on a whim. And, uh, and you know, it never phases me. And I don't think it even phases many people. In fact, it probably hypes people up to see these characters shift into Titans. And it's cool, it's boss, it's, it's epic to watch sometimes, but when I see regular people like Levi's team or the Rogaco district, or even in those past scenes with um, Eden's dad and Dina, when they all got turned into mindless titans, something about when regular people do it and they don't willingly do it, it is, it feels wrong. <laughs> it's, and it, you know, it's a curse. They don't want this to happen. It's awful and I bet it's painful. I don't know if it's painful, but I mean, it just feels wrong to look at and it it kind of, um, that gives me goosebumps, but I don't know how else to explain it other than it gives me like uh, chills and shivers when I see it happen. It freaks me out and I feel so sad watching them turn because it, I mean, something about it, something about it don't feel right. <laughs> And that's the most thing I say. It just gives this bad feeling in me, which I think is the point. You're not supposed to get excited when regular people turn to Titans, especially ones that they don't have a mind of their own. It's awful because they're going to end up having to eat people and they're just going to wander around. And I mean, we get a good perspective of how mindless Titans work because of Ymir. She kind of gave us a good perspective of it all and an outlook in it whenever she discussed her time as a mindless Titan. But I mean, watching them turn unwillingly, it hurts to watch for sure. Zeke also has the ability to control these Titans that he manifests. I do wonder how he figured out that he could do that, but I'd assume this would be revealed in the future, like I said earlier. So another highlight from Children of the Forest is the altercation between Gabby and the Marlian chef that was in love with Sasha. And I was in horror to watch Gabby brag about killing Sasha. And it has been dragging tension that Gabby killed Sasha whilst accepting hospitality from her family. And she doesn't know this, of course. She doesn't have a clue that this is Sasha's family. And the whole time she's just thinking, you know, that they're nice people and everything. She hasn't pieced that together. So I have been waiting for this moment when they were gonna figure out that she killed Sasha because they have mentioned her. They have done so many things out of passion and love because of Sasha, especially the Marley and chef who is in love with her. And when this confrontation happened, when it started, when everything pieced together and everyone figured it out, it was a mess. and. We got a mess. <laughs> Nicolo fell for Sasha because 
she loved his food. And it was so heartbreaking to see him piece together what had happened to her. And I mean, he just goes for it. He he just goes straight for the kill. <laughs> and Falco takes the blow, proceeding to acknowledge why on earth is there spinal fluid in the wine? Anyways, <laughs> this leads to the Bross family finding out as well with Sasha's father refusing to harm Gabby. I mean, a lot of the fandom, I think, would probably like, no, man, you got to do something. But the guy has a heart of gold and he really tries to think of what was going on with his daughter's perspective of everything. And he was just a good man and he didn't want to hurt somebody because that's not who he was. He was a person who helped people. I mean, he has helped so many people in his life already and taking on all these children that the last thing he wants to do is harm another child, which is what Gabby is, but that doesn't stop another child from wanting to attack Gabby. <laughs> I mean, Kaya, she was the last person I would have expected to snap because that girl just, I mean, she went in there. She was like, I'm going to get her. If you're not going to do nothing, I'm going to get her. <laughs> and she... I mean, that scene was, was, oh, it was awful to watch. Just so much pain in Kaya's face. And I mean, the girl was mourning and to find the person who actually hurt someone that actually saved her in the past. And she has even tried to befriend Gabby. It was just to see everything happen and unfold. It was a lot, it was so quick. It was so fast and Oh my goodness. It was a brilliant scene because as much as we had seen all this pain and all this fighting and everything flourish, it was really cool to see everything move and everything to just come out. <laughs> I never expected the scene to be that heart-wrenching to watch. And to see that many people figure out all at once, I thought it was going to be like one by one by one, but honestly, it just came in like a truck everything just came in it hit Gabby like a truck it hit Falco in the head <laughs> and I really felt for Kaya because you know she ended up growing up with a reason to live because of Sasha and to hear and see her have that all taken away that quickly it devastated her and it devastated me to watch her have to hear that have to hear that from someone like Gabby and uh, she really tried to have compassion. <laughs> and then watching everyone hold her back, I mean, and then Gabby's here all confused and just trying to, you know, keep it together. I mean, I don't know. And then, you know, as much as I have a hard time liking Gabby, and I do try to understand her perspective, she is a brainwashed kid and... She is a vengeful child, just like Eden used to be. And I do find key differences between the two. I don't like comparing them together all the time because even though they are supposed to be mirrored versions of each other, I do find differences. For one, Gabby has been trained from childhood to fight and harm and kill people who were kind of supposed to be like her, but she has been punished from birth and growing up in her childhood to hate who she is and to hate her ancestry 
And for Eden, I don't like comparing the two of them because for Eden, he didn't live a life where he was brainwashed the entire time. He didn't live a life where, I mean, even Grisha, he didn't try to brainwash Eden. He kind of let Eden live his life like a normal kid. He didn't tell him to pursue joining the survey corps. He didn't tell him to pursue a certain life and this and that. Eden kind of just lived a normal life the best he could as a kid in a world with Titans. And his first um, interaction with a Titan ended up killing his mom. And one thing I noticed too is that for Gabby, she hates her people and she understands her history and she hates who she is. And to see that when she does confront people like her and to see that they're normal, it's very different from Eden when he has to, you know, confront Titans for the first time. Because to him, they were just threatening beings trying to kill them. And of course, you're going to want to, you know, stop these things from tormenting your life and your world and harming people that could that you love and i mean they're very different even though they are vengeful spirits edin and gabby are vengeful spirits but gabby is brainwashed and edin has kind of gotten his closure but also i feel like he's at his breaking point where he's just trying to piece together people like regular people <laughs> It's strange. They're very different and they're alike. They're very alike. They um, they have grown up and are slowly seeing changes and differences in people that they didn't expect. So I would hope to see more development from Gabby and I would like to see her change her views on everything and try to feel some more humanity for herself and for people like her. Because, like I have said before in the past, she shouldn't be punished along with every other LDN. They shouldn't be punished for things that people did in their past. And just because they can shift into titans, I don't think antagonizing them and trying to kill them all is going to solve your problems currently. <laughs> it is not going to solve anything. And for sure, if you continue to punish them and make more titans, it's not going to end any of these issues and it is not going to stop titans from rampaging the world if you keep making more of them <laughs> but i digress moving on we are going to talk about episode 14 savagery and we get zeke versus levi uh part three <laughs> After Zeke manifests all those titans from Levi's soldiers, which it is painful to witness as Levi has had to kill a lot of his comrades in the past, and at least he has witnessed their deaths as well. Like, he has seen a lot of his um, partners and teammates all die in front of his eyes. So to see the audacity of Zeke telling Levi, oh, those poor little things, after Levi had to kill all of his people, when not even a minute ago, Zeke, you literally split one of those soldiers in half just to throw at uh, Levi so you can get a hit on him. So 
I don't want to hear you saying that you pity these people when you're literally just using them as target practice. Plus, watching him rip that Titan to shreds, that was morbid to watch. It was, oh gosh, I think I was eating when that happened. <laughs> and, oh goodness gracious, I, I never know with this show how gruesome it can get until, I, I don't know. I have made a decision. I will not eat when I watch Attack on Titan anymore because I know every time I eat, it's probably like the goriest of episodes. <laughs> While this fight is happening, Eden, Armin, Mikasa, and Gabby included, were chatting away in this little meeting room after they got infiltrated at that little base that they were. But after all of the Gabby altercations with Sasha's family, which includes yet another highlight I wanted to discuss, and that was when Eden told Mikasa that he hates her. This includes the first time that Armin and Eden actually have ever fought each other, and Armin is outclassed for sure. Um, I swear I let out a huge oof once Eden threw a punch. I mean, the guy just got knocked over, <laughs> and I felt so bad for Mikasa. Because honestly, I I don't think that Eden told her the truth. The supposed Ackermans are just linking toward their host and she's only protecting him because he activated her or something. I, I don't think that's true. I feel like it, it comes abruptly, it doesn't make sense, and I don't know, out of Eden's personality, uh, I don't know. I don't think he would really convince himself of something like that. I know Eden has changed, but for something that, I mean, he has worked his entire life to protect people he loves, and he loves Armin and Mikasa. They're his family. They're his friends, and uh, I see a little bit of nonsense of him trying to convince Mikasa that he hates her because of the way she is. I wouldn't see him hating her regardless. <laughs> I feel like he knows Mikasa well enough that she has her own autonomy and um, that moment she pinned Armin down was unsettling to say the least. Ackermans do have history of being super soldiers so she must have unlocked something but to hear Eden say those things to her felt unnatural. It still felt like it wasn't true. I don't know, because I feel like even if she never activated that part of her, I feel like she would still love Eden the way he is. Just because I remember watching one of the OVAs dedicated to Mikasa's perspective, and it was about a dream of hers. I will leave a link in the description for this OVA, because I feel like it gives a lot of good details for the story, especially right now. This is a good time to watch it because there are some hints and clues that I feel like I might have missed back when I first watched this episode that make a lot more sense now if you watch this season. It's called Lost in the Cruel World and it is about Mikasa and she has a dream essentially where she didn't lose her parents that her she didn't have to go and kill um some random guys that ended up attacking her parents and everything and she still ended up falling in love with Eden 
And it's a good perspective and it's different. And I don't think it matters if she activates that part of her because she clings to Eden. She will fall in love with him regardless. So I do not find any truth in what he said. And I will not believe him (laughs) because he definitely is plotting stuff and he's in a whole different world from everybody else right now. And something is definitely up with um, Eden's behavior. And especially because even though he has quote unquote connected with Zeke in the Zeke centric episode, Soul Salvation, it does seem like Eden has seen some things from the past Titan shifters after he consumed his dad and finally um, kissed Historia's hand. And he has gone on a path that needed Zeke's cooperation. Eden is taking advantage of what is around him, like the Jaegerist, Flouch, ugh, and other people. These are his stepping stones. These are just minor pieces in his chessboard, in his side of the game. Also, the Jaegerists have been working behind the scenes with killing off soldiers and overtaking the government. Hanji is kind of getting strung along by Flouch. And every other formidable leader that we have been introduced to in the past of this series are kind of getting tossed aside. (laughs) Like, um, for instance, this list includes Pixies, Shadis, that commander Zachary, I mean, you know, the one that ended up getting his body blown up apart in a couple episodes back. Um, Like these guys used to have power. They used to hold power over all of these characters that we are acquainted with now. They used to be so formidable, so important. And (sighs) that power has changed the course of this story and to see them reduced to pawns and pieces just getting blown up getting killed or getting beaten poor Shadis it's really telling of how much this story has diverged into and to see how much growth that has happened between these characters and the power dynamics changing especially from Eden's end and to see all of these commanders just kind of getting thrown around like they're pieces of junk. (laughs) I was really sad to see Shadis getting beaten the way he did. He is honestly one of my favorite um, superiors in this show that we have seen. And mostly, and I'm going to admit something, because I used to watch Team Four Stars abridged series, or at least episode of Attack on Titan when it came out. You can still find it. Um, It's really funny. And I watched the abridged episode before I ever watched Attack on Titan because Attack on Titan was just peaking up in popularity. Only a couple episodes had came out. It wasn't even completed yet. And I decided I was going to watch the abridged because everyone was telling me it was hilarious. And I hadn't seen Attack on Titan, so I thought, well, this will be a good way to introduce myself to the series. And if you have seen this abridged episode, 
I will tell you, my favorite part is the shadest bit. <laughs> ah, my goodness, it was the best part of the whole video, honestly. I used to quote that all the time, like a freaky nerd <laughs> back in school. All of my friends are in on the inside jokes. Um, I'll give you a good bit of him just screaming Majestic Eagle and them singing. <laughs> it was it was so funny. And so I have like an emotional nostalgic connection with this character. And it's not even the same voice actor. And it's not even in the same context of everything other than the fact that it was Attack on Titan. And <laughs> to see Shadis, you know, just get beaten like that, get thrown, hit. I mean... It, it hurt the nostalgia in me, in the bones. Like, they just really crapped on it. <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good way to put it. I was so sad. And also, Flouch, I hate you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I, I don't think I ever <laughs> disliked the character so much. Until this guy. Um, I could not stomach that grin he made after mentioning the awful spinal fluid why not again and it looked like a horror movie like this guy belongs in uh, one of those scary movies because he's got the face for it especially when he's got that conniving grin so i'm going to move on to episode 15 soul salvation it is the zeke backstory that i think he has been in need of ever since his introduction we have gotten bits and pieces of who he is but this is a really really good episode to just dive in onto who the beast titan is who zeke is and it really helped fill in these nooks and crannies that we didn't know about him so when i say nooks and crannies I mean, more regarding the secrets he wants to keep. Obviously, we can't know them all just yet. And based on my first viewing of this episode, I hereby declare the real villain of Attack on Titan. And that is bad parenting. Oh boy, did Grisha make it onto the list of worst anime dads in history? And if you know the list of worst anime dads, then you will know that Goku is up there, that um, Ging is up there from Hunter Hunter. <laughs> like all of these guys, there is a long list of awful anime dads. And Grisha, he has jumped up. I mean, honestly, he I, he's worse than Ging. And I thought Ging was a pretty bad dad. <laughs> And Goku's a bad dad, but at least he loves his kids in a really good way. And he at least trained them somewhat to at least protect themselves. And instead, Grisha is just, you know, shoving propaganda down their throats, especially Zeke. Oh, gosh. And wait a minute. I just figured something out. We got Goku, we got Ging, and we got Grisha. So is there a correlation between anime dads with G's? in the beginning of their name <laughs> just becoming bad parents hmm uh, maybe Grisha just falls under that umbrella I mean all of them have the G I don't know I got conspiracy theory time <laughs> so anyways Grisha is a pretty bad dad yeah the the guy dedicated his life and parenting to just 
propaganda, um, secret meetings, forcing his son to join the military at the age of who knows what. I think it's 12. I don't remember how old they have to be to join. Um, and a lot of things. And then he doesn't even spend any quality time with his son. So, you know, he's just like crazy conspiracy theorist dad who doesn't, you know, dad very well. <laughs> and so this whole debacle, all of this, all of Attack on Titan, everything could have been avoided if he just played catch with his son or, you know, just talk to him like a normal person. Uh, I mean, everything could have been avoided, honestly. <laughs> And I don't know what to say other than the fact that we wouldn't have the story we have now if Grisha wasn't like a good dad. <laughs> uh, gosh. And so Zeke ends up turning in his parents because, I mean, for one, they're pretty bad. <laughs> they're awful. And he ends up talking to his new dad about it and telling him that they're part of the um, resistance and they are trying to, you know turn the government around and make things right or whatever the heck and you know they had good intentions but a uh, really bad execution so he ends up turning them in based on what his dad tells him he's like if you turn them in you'll get some good street cred if you turn your parents in because you might end up joining the military you might be able to turn to the beast titan and yada 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 and so zeke does that we get a good introduction of who the former Beast Titan was, and he actually wasn't a military kid before he became the Beast Titan. He actually ended up having a family with a woman and had a, had a child, and it was devastating to hear his backstory because you, when he's telling the story, I didn't expect to see the mother and the son both dead right in front of him. I mean, the way they illustrated that, it was really sad. And I don't know, the I, we have seen a lot of rough stuff on this show, but that's gonna be one of those on the top of the list of murder-suicide. That's awful to see. And to see that her reasoning behind it, uh, it, it's wrong. And I really felt for the guy. He didn't seem like a bad dude. And he just ended up joining the military and becoming the Beast Titan because I guess he wanted to feel useful and he he was lost. And to see that he was able to connect with Zeke, that is really sweet. And he was happy to give himself up to Zeke and have Zeke become the new Beast Titan because I guess he, he had some faith in him. He had some hope in Zeke. And after mentioning that whole euthanization plan, and Zeke and his mentor build a father-son relationship. There is a genuine bond and that filled in that emptiness in both of them. It filled in that emptiness for Zeke when he didn't have a participating dad and that filled in the emptiness for his mentor because it, it filled that void that he had after he lost his wife and child. We do get some nods in this episode to little tidbits in the series, like as to why Zeke can throw so well since they played baseball all the time. And we see tiny Annie, Reiner, and Bertolt. The story leads to Zeke talking to a long-haired Eden, and they agree to work together for the euthanization plan, 
which feels icky. The plan seeks to rid Titans from population in the future by essentially not letting anybody give birth anymore, basically. Not being able to re reproduce. But why do I feel like it will only lead to more power plays in the future? Because it does feel like it isn't benefiting certain groups, for sure. After Zeke is done with his flashback, he wakes up and notices that he is missing his glasses. And <laughs> uh, can I just say, um, when he started mentioning it, I, I compared him to Velma because, you know, he's like, where are my glasses? And I'm thinking, oh, wow, we, we have a Titan who can't see. And then I think, how have these glasses endured all of the transformations and all of the battles he's been because it's one pair that he kept from his mentor and somehow they managed to sustain without breaking whatsoever. Those are some incredible glasses. <laughs> he ends up squirming like crazy and stuff and you know he sets off the thunder spear and eventually it explodes and him and Levi get caught in the crossfire and just and <laughs> it was upsetting we can't lose our mvp to this his death can't be so lackluster for one thing i would like to highlight as levi in these past few episodes he really is attack on titan's janitor <laughs> because he is constantly cleaning up after zeke's messes Oh, how I wish he can get that one moment of peace. He definitely deserves it. Also, I feel like if his soldiers had just, you know, drank tea like he suggested, then it may have prevented the Titan debacle. <laughs> I really admire Levi's ability to push forward. He has been through so much, yet he can still close his eyes and fight on. I hope he can find his peace any at some point at the end of this series because out of all the characters in this series Levi really deserves that vacation in episode 16 above and below we are introduced to the aftermath of everything that's been grueling in the last episodes since this was the part one finale I was expecting it to you know end heavy and to keep you on your toes and to anticipate for more but when it did, it still hurt <laughs> to get hit with that cliffhanger. I cannot believe the way everything built up to Eden's transformation. We had those moments with bowl cut versus bowl cut, Yelena versus Armin. Armin eventually tears up over their conversation since he empathizes with her and he kind of notices that they really believe in what they are trying to rebuild and do to help others. But I don't know if I was the only one who felt off about that. It seemed so strange to see him cry, but I can see that for Armin's character, it makes sense. But all that gets disrupted by what is going on on the roof. So with Piek and Eden, Piek, like the clever woman she is, convinces Eden that she wants out of Marley. Or so she thinks, because he kind of isn't um, playing along with her. I guess he's just, you know, like playing the game for now. And this kind of trips Gabby out because she can't believe what she is hearing. I wonder if Piek actually agrees with what she told Gabby in that little jail cell because 
some of it has some truth to it for her. You know, they would just dispose of them if they weren't useful anymore. And, you know, there's there's a bit of it in there. I feel like Pieck, you know, has some resentment because she has to deal with a life that has a lot of circumstances due to her ancestry as an Eldian, as a child of Ymir. One thing I would like to mention is that Eden only spared Gabby because he wanted to find Falco. <laughs> it's nice to know that he has, at least I hope, good intentions for him and that he actually kind of likes the guy. I mean, they did connect when they were in Marley. So I think he could tell that Falco had some hope. He, he had some hope in him and I guess he, he grew fond of him. It's really nice. Falco is a fan favorite. He definitely is one of my favorite characters in this series. He has really grown on me and he's only been introduced in this season. And it's amazing how in this short time you can really connect with him and, you know, like his character. Now, this whole altercation between the three leads to Piek leading Eden to the rooftop to show him the enemy. And it leads to Piek directing her finger towards Eden and claims that he is the enemy. Eden definitely didn't like that. <laughs> and before he could react, the Jaws Titan emerges from below and gets a chomp out of Eden's legs. This provokes Eden to transform and everybody below in the prison cells all freak out because what the heck is going on over there? <laughs> so we get this epic final shot of the attack titan Eden going toe to airship. And he you kind of get this clip of Reiner eyeballing him too. Like it's all just a lot of mean mugging. And this is where the part of the season ends. It is going to be a bloodbath. I am expecting some bloody stuff happening. At least <laughs> in this next part, because we are foreshadowing the rumbling and it has been talked upon, it has been foreshadowed, it has been mentioned, and everyone is planning for it. Everyone is planning for this intense rumbling where all of these Titans are just going to show up and kill everybody. That's what the looks of it. And I'd imagine that is going to be gory. And I wonder how they plan to censor that because. This past season, even though there is a share of censorship, it still is gruesome to look at. So I wonder how these battles are going to play out. Can I just highlight how absolutely unfazed Eden is in this season? I'm aware he has seen some stuff, but <laughs> this guy is on some next level bet attitude. The dude is so nonchalant in his altercations. Like with Piek, he straight up grabs the pistol and shoves it to his head because he knows that she won't do anything. He is that confident. He won't die. Or when he greets Armin and Mikasa whenever they're in that little meeting room after um, the whole Gabby altercation with Sasha's family. He just slyly shows his hand before he could. E they could even get a word out. And that was it. He showed the hand. It had a slit on it. And, I mean, it was a statement. And it was a threat. That if they had anything 
that they wanted to try on him, if they are, that if they had anything that they were trying to do to attack him or any plans, they knew they were screwed because that hand right there, that injured hand is like the equivalent to holding someone at gunpoint. It is like the ultimate threat in this show. And I think that is so unique and so cool to this series. So here is what I am hoping to see and what I am expecting to see in the next phase of this season. I'm hoping to see what was going on with that Titan that shoved Zeke into his stomach. And I thought it was kind of funny. It, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna explain myself here. When I first saw it, I was just thinking to myself, when that Titan came up to Zeke, I don't know if Zeke ordered that Titan or if the Titan just came up to him and was like, you know what? I'm gonna put you straight to my belly right now. Instead of eating you, I'm going to just spread open my abdomen. <laughs> and I don't know why it giggled. I giggled when I saw it. Weird sense of humor, but honestly, and I want to know if Levi is okay. I need to know if he's okay. Please don't let that be the end of Levi. <laughs> it would be so sad if that was it for him. I am expecting some clarification for everything. And I am expecting some clarification. I am expecting some clarification from Eden over here and what he is planning. And I would really like to see his perspective on everything. He's been holding out on us with his mindset on everything. I don't think we got much into what's going on in Eden's head since the last episode of last season. And even then, we still didn't really know what he was thinking at that point. So I am really curious on what's going on in his thoughts right now. Also, is my boy Falco okay? The guy just ingested spinal fluid along with a number of people, <laughs> like Commander Pixies. Oh, I would be so sad if Commander Pixies turns. Oh, geez. It would be so sad for anyone to turn uh, into a Titan. So that, that's going to be a real rough moment there if that does happen, because we kind of already got hinted at that it could easily happen if Zeke were to yell or do whatever it is he does to turn people into Titans. I want to see more of Jean and Connie. I think those guys are my favorite side characters. I think Jean has done a lot to develop into a very well-rounded character and I like to see more from him because he always has really good perspectives and thoughts into the situations and he's funny too. <laughs> I like his character a lot. I am expecting a lot of death and that could include very important characters in this series, characters that we have grown up with. I don't know what could possibly come, but I know it, it's just something that's gonna happen. It is inevitable when it comes to the series. We, we are going to see really important characters leave us and I'm really, not looking forward to that, but you know what? We are in for the ride. I am super pumped and I am <laughs> really anxious too, but I'm excited for the next phase. Hopefully we will get it in December or maybe even January, depending on what they mean by a winter season. 
Um, we are getting more episodes, so that's really nice because I know uh, there was speculation on there possibly being um, a movie instead to wrap it up, but it looks like they're going with a whole season, so that's exciting. I hope the animators are getting paid well, and I hope that they are getting enough time to work on the series. So don't give them any hate. They are trying their best. <laughs> If you are an Attack on Titan fan, let me know what you think of part one of the final season by messaging me through either of my social media handles. Both my Twitter and Instagram handles are the Toon Balloon. I would love to hear from you. Also, definitely tell me any other webtoons, anime, or manga you are interested in. I may talk about them in future episodes. The Toon Balloon podcast can be listened to on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And big news, the Toon Balloon now has a YouTube channel. Woohoo! <laughs> How cool is that? Uh, there isn't anything too significant on there right now other than the podcast has now video formats. So you have another option to listen to my nonsense. <laughs> Thank you guys, by the way, for listening to me talk to this mic. You are my motivation, and I deeply appreciate each and every one of you who do listen to my podcast and sit through the entire episodes because, honestly, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> my friend even compared me to Bob Ross because she says I, um, I'm calming to her, so that is a very sweet compliment from my friend. Thank you so much, and honestly... You guys are great. So next time we will have a webtoon discussion and I plan on going in on the final season of Fruits Basket. I am so excited and I hope you can join the ride. So let's end this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today and taking the time to listen to my humble podcast. I look forward to talking with you again. This is the Toon Balloon Podcast. I was your host, Gooby. See you next time. <laughs>